Thank you for joining us for this recent message from Freedom Ministries in Crossit, Arkansas. Connect with us online at freedomministriescrossit.com and let us know what God is doing in your life through this ministry. Now prepare your heart to hear a word that we pray will bless your life. I really, I have, I'm having to go back to listen to the message on Sunday to see what I actually said. <laughs> and, uh, and so I want to I go back and teach really about the glory of God. Because we've, we've experienced it. We've experienced it here. We've experienced it here tonight. Amen. <laughs> um, and it's fantastic and there's nothing like it. But I don't think, I think it's so misunderstood in the body of Christ that most people think that it's just a, whenever God decides to show up like that, he shows up like that, or um, it's really, really hard to get into the glory. And I used to think it was really, really hard to get into the glory. I thought it was really hard to press all the way through until you got that breakthrough and you'd have to scream about it a long time and it took hours and hours and hours and hours and hours. I mean, it takes a little waiting time, but it don't have to take hours and, until you got a bloodshot eye and aneurysms, all kind of stuff. We, we don't want that. Um, and so I, as I began to pray and study, you know, what, I, what came to me was, what is the purpose of us pressing through to this level of glory? Because doesn't God meet us here? We can feel his presence. Um, don't we have the promises of God and the word of God to go back to and just tell, you know, and, and it works sometimes. Jesus even says some things work by you just saying headache come out. So it works sometimes. Sometimes it don't, but sometimes it does. I even had a, a professor at Bible college um, who got asked the question, how come God heals sometimes and sometimes he don't? He said, I don't know. I mean, he made up a couple answers, and then finally he just said, I don't know. So it is a poorly understood part of our experience with God is this process of going all the way into the holy place and even if we understand the purpose and the value and what we get out of it and that we need to be in there to hear what God says about our, about our circumstances and about our lives and about our own purpose and about what He wants from us, about our destiny, even though we understand that we want to get in there, a lot of times we are so bound by feelings that, of inadequacy that we don't feel like we can get all the way in there. I feel like I'm not good enough especially if we have a past, or especially if my past was last night. <laughs> but we feel like we're not good enough to get into the presence of God. But let's just, learn, let's just read a few little scriptures, and we're going to learn something about how every one of us never has to live outside the presence, the glory of God again. Every one of us sitting in this room 
never has to go a day where I don't, where I'm satisfied with the outer court, just knowing about God, reading a little devotional, maybe feeling a little bit better about myself. Not one of us has to go another day where I don't press through into the holy of holies, the most holy place where the where the actual Shekinah glory of God is dwelling, that if I come before it unworthy, he may strike me dead. That level, that there's not a day. And here's the thing that rattles our religious assumptions is that it doesn't really matter if you're still struggling with sin. You can still get into the holy of holies. Because where else are you going to go to be set free of sin? You're going to do it in your mind? If, if we, yeah, right, if we were going to, if we're going to think our way into salvation, we would have done that by now. I would be the most holy because I've thought about it a lot. I've thought about it a lot. I would be so full of the power of God from my thinking. Whew. I mean, I would have a glowing face. Y'all wouldn't be able to look at me. I'd have to wear a veil. I could have thought myself there. But I can't think myself there. I don't know if I want to think myself there. Numbers chapter 7, verse 89. It says, Now when Moses went into the tabernacle of meeting to speak with him, God, he heard the voice of one speaking to him from above the mercy seat that was on the ark of the testimony from between the two cherubim. Thus he spoke to him. Now Moses had the stories to go back to. He had the knowledge, had the mind knowledge of who God was. Maybe he had written Genesis by this point. I don't know. Maybe he had some actual word to go back to that he, he wrote himself. He had the tablets that he could go to and he could read that God had etched in himself with his own finger. He had the word to go to. But he said that God didn't speak to him that way. God spoke to him thus. Because when he entered into the holy place before God, where his presence dwelled between the cherubim on the mercy seat, and he spoke to him. So that is the purpose of God for each one of us to enter into this relationship with him where I can enter into the presence of God and God speak directly into my spirit I don't have to wonder what's God for my life. I don't have to know. I don't have to try to figure things out in my mind. I don't even have to know how to pray or how to witness. I just have to enter into the holy place and hear what God said and then go tell somebody. Leviticus chapter 16, starting with verse 1. It says, Now the Lord spoke to Moses after the death of the two sons of Aaron when they offered profane fire before the Lord and died. And the Lord said to Moses, Tell Aaron your brother not to come at just any time into the holy place inside the veil before the mercy seat which is on the ark, lest he die. For I will appear in the cloud before the mercy seat, above the mercy seat. Thus Aaron shall come into the holy place with the blood of a young bull as a sin offering, and of a ram as a burnt offering, he shall put the holy linen tunic on and the linen trousers on his body. He shall be girded with a linen sash and with the linen turban he shall be attired. These are holy garments. Therefore, he shall wash his body in the water. 
and put them on. And he shall take from the congregation of the children of Israel two kids of the goats as a sin offering and one ram as a burnt offering. Aaron shall offer the bull as a sin offering which is for himself and make atonement for himself and for his house. And he shall take the goats and present them before the Lord at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. So what does all that mean? That means that the process of going into the holy place of God, the process that we go through, we don't thankfully have to kill things to come in. But there is still a process that we go through. And if you come to prayer here very long, you learn the process relatively well. It's the same thing we do up here, just without the music. And we sing, we worship, we, we worship until our spirit has connected up with the Holy Spirit. And then the Holy Spirit begins to usher us into the presence of God. And when we get in there, we know what we're supposed to pray about. When we're in there, I have a breakthrough on all of my problems and all my situations. When we're in there, we hear from God over our situation and over our circumstances. The process of getting into the Holy of Holies is what prepares you for entering into the Holy of Holies so that you don't, you're not covered in sin and die. What you did last night does not prepare you to enter into the Holy of Holies or what you didn't do. That is not what prepares you to enter into the glory of God and hear from Him. It's only the process because Aaron was not the most holy person in the world. Given the first opportunity, he turned from God to an idol and led the whole nation of Israel in idolatry. He was not the kind of guy that you would just want to leave over your congregation and not check on him again. He wasn't the kind of guy that you would just trust with always coming into the presence of God and doing it right. He, he wanted the shortcut, and he would compromise himself to get it. And we know this about him, and because his sons did it too. So it doesn't matter what you did or didn't do. That's a, we're all on a level playing field when it comes into the glory of God. Now, if we don't sin, we don't reap sin. So we're better off if we don't sin. Amen? But my faith in God, washing myself and cleansing myself in His presence in the process of coming into his presence, he takes off the old and he puts on a new linen tunic and he puts on new trousers and he makes me all clean and nice and pretty looking and smelling good. And then he brings me on into the presence of God through his way. That's why I am worthy. That's why I'm good enough. Because I'm just as good as anybody else. And if anybody ever is good enough to try to think up all the ways that they are good enough to get into the presence of God and somehow earn their way to get in there, then maybe we can tell you have a different story. But I'm not that person. I have to have the Holy Spirit guide me in because I will mess it up every time. That's the reason we don't even know what's going to happen in a service when we get up here. That's the reason we don't have all the form and everything scheduled out. I know some people who are controlling probably those ones have a problem with not knowing what's going to happen from one time to the next. But 
for those of us who really want to get into the presence of God and into His glory and, ha- and hear from Him, have Him actually move amongst our midst. I wouldn't want it any other way. So, listen. Somebody just say out loud, I am already prepared to enter the presence of God. I don't need to kick an addiction that I'm still that God's still trying to deliver me from. I don't need to kick thoughts that God I'm still putting under the blood every time I have an opportunity. I'm already prepared. God prepares me. He does the preparing. I can't prepare myself. If the Holy Ghost don't prepare me, when I get in there, he's going to strike me dead just as much as he did Aaron's two sons for coming in the wrong way. I don't want to try to get into the presence of God myself because I will die. Some of us, though, see death working in our life in some areas, and it's because a lot of times we come into the glory. We get real close to the glory, and the judgment of the glory begins to come out upon us. And we don't listen to the Holy Ghost about what to quit and what to do and what not to do. God didn't say you had to be all perfect and delivered. He just said, you got to listen to me. And so as long as we're there with God where everything's just open before him, God, you know, I ain't quit smoking cigarettes yet. But I want to come into the presence of God. I want your glory because I bet in your glory I can quit. God, I have, God, I ain't stopped looking at that stuff on the internet yet. I try real hard, but Jesus, I get pulled back to it all the time. But I bet if I can get in your glory, I won't think about it as much. So it's the process, it's only the process of coming into the glory. It's coming and just worshiping God until I've connected with the Holy Spirit enough that I can follow Him into the glory. That prepares me for the glory. That makes me good enough. And it makes you good enough and everybody else in here because we all come the same way by the Spirit. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. The reason is no flesh can enter into the presence of God. Romans chapter 8, starting with verse 5, it says, For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace, because the carnal mind is at enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can it be. I can't in myself make myself right by the law of God. It's impossible without listening to the Holy Spirit and allowing the Spirit to take me in. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Hmm. So it's impossible for any one of us humans. Now, I saw some people on one of them softball teams that we were playing that I'm not sure were human. And it was right after Brother Floyd had preached that message. And I said, oh, no, I do. There are Nephilim in the world today. Did y'all see them? One of them looked like Thor. Mm -mm. I said, I'm going to have to have a meeting because if you're not human, you have to be disqualified from church league. From church league. We're not ushering back in the Antichrist or anything with our church league softball team. We're not doing it. 
Y'all go. You'll see the ones I'm talking about. You'll know exactly who they are. Y'all know. Brooke, did you see him? Yes. Not human. I'm sorry. <laughs> so, I forgot what I was saying. So the carnal mind, see, I got in my carnal mind. I can't even get into the, I can't even stay in the glory if I let it take, if I let it get a hold of me too much. Our carnal mind can't please God. I, 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 I'm not going to do it if I don't enter in by the Spirit. And that's why there is no condemnation on anyone who has been redeemed by Jesus, who has entered, who has passed from death and into life because it's the Spirit of the life of Jesus Christ that quickens our mortal bodies and gives us the power the ability to enter into the presence of God. Hallelujah. David learned this, too, in a difficult way. In 1 Chronicles 13, we're going to see, I think we're going to see something really interesting in David here. Because David is just like us. He recognizes, so we heard on Sunday, the Ark of the Covenant of God had been taken by the Philistines, um, judgment came on um, all the Philistine camps, and it was killing folks, and they wanted to get rid of it, and they just dropped it off somewhere else. And then, So David's king now, and he wants the presence of God. He wants the glory of God because he has a heart after God. He loves God. He wants the presence of God with all that's in him. And so he, he has a plan to get it back. And David consulted with the captains of thousands and hundreds and with every leader. And David said unto the congregation of Israel, If it seems good unto you, and that it be of the Lord our God, let us send abroad unto our brethren everywhere that are left in all the land of Israel, and with them also to the priests and the Levites, which are in their cities and suburbs, that they may gather themselves unto us. Let us again bring the ark of our God to us, for we inquired not at it in the days of Saul, and all the congregation said that they were going to do this, for the thing was right in the eyes of the people. So David gathered all of Israel together and lists all the, all the places he came from. And, um, and David went up and all Israel to Bala, that is to, um, I'm not going to say that word, Kiriathirim. And David went up, and, um, which belonged to Judah, to bring up thence the ark of the Lord our God, that dwells between the cherubim whose name is called on it. And they carried the ark of God in a new cart out of the house of Abinadab. And Uzzah and Ahio drove the ark. And David and all of Israel played before God with all their might and with singing and with harps and with psalteries and with timbrels and with cymbals and with trumpets. Okay, so David has decided, I'm getting the ark. I'm going after the glory. I heard I can have the glory. I'm going after the glory. Woo! Hallelujah. Praise Jehovah. We're getting the glory back in here where it belongs. I've, I've been without it too long. We've been at Israel's been in sin. We don't even know how to hear from God. We're fixing to know how to hear from God. I'm going after the ark of God. I'm going to call, call everybody around. Everybody, everybody. We're going after the ark. Hallelujah. And so in his zeal to go after the ark, he didn't come in by the way the Holy Spirit said to come into the ark. He's just excited about coming after the ark. And that's why it's 
we have to understand the nuances of the Spirit, for lack of a better word, because nothing makes me worthy to come into the presence of God unless He makes me worthy to come into the... I could have been in sin last night, but I decide today I'm coming in to the presence of God. I come in, I go through the process of entering, of worship, of entering into His presence, of hearing the Spirit, allowing the Spirit to usher me into the glory of God, and I could have access to it just like anybody else because that's what makes me worth worthy to come in is because it's the process but it doesn't matter how holy I am and how, how many years it's been since the last time I sinned one ounce. If I decide in my excitement to come in another way, it doesn't work. That's the reason we have so many churches who you can get in and you can feel something, but the glory isn't there. It's because it's uncomfortable to not know what you're going to do. It's uncomfortable, especially if you're in leadership up here on the stage and you're just, every time you come up and you're just all like, all right, God, let's see what happens. I'm just going to wait and hear from you or maybe somebody else hear from you. Don't know. We're going to sit here and hang out until you say, what happens next? Oh, we want healing today. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Oh, we want to hear a word about coming into the new today. All right, then. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Many churches are very uncomfortable with that, so they just don't do it. But you don't get the glory that way. So, when they came into the threshing floor of Chidon, Uzzah put forth his hand to hold, to hold the ark because the oxen stumbled. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Uzzah, and he smote him because he had put his hand to the ark, and there he died before the Lord. And David was displeased because the Lord had made a breach upon Uzzah. Wherefore, the place is called Perez-Uzzah to this day, which means breach on Uzzah. And David was afraid of God that day. I would be too. Saying, how shall I bring the ark of God home to me? So David brought, did not bring the ark, brought not the ark home to himself to the city of David, but carried it aside to the house of Obed-Edom the Gittite, and the ark of God remained with the family of Obed-Edom in his house for three months. And the Lord blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that he had. Because where the glory is, you're going to get blessed. So, here's the problem, and this is where we miss it. If the glory isn't in our life, if we don't really connect with it, this is where we miss it every time. <coughs> I'm going after it. The presence of God's trying to come in. But because I didn't really enter in through worship and I didn't enter in by losing total control of myself and just being okay with whatever happens, happens, and I have my, you know, I'm worried. It <clears throat> looks like the glory of God's about to derail this service. <laughs> looks like the glory of God's about to derail this little train with the oxen that we're on. We got the whole nation of Israel, we got some cymbals and some harps and some tim- timbrels. We got the whole, we got people dancing and singing. And it's about to fall on the ground. It'll derail this whole procession. I better, I'm just going to put my hand to it right here and just steady it. Just, just steady the glory a little bit. We don't want it to get out of control. And so we miss it. He died. But we miss it. Because 
the glory isn't going to come if you try to touch it one with one tiny little bitty ounce of control. He's gone. The glory. Now, what would have happened if he hadn't steadied the ark? Maybe it would have fell down and all the contents would have sprawled out because there was a way to, come, to bring the ark around and they didn't do it. Maybe it would have floated up in the air. We don't know what would have happened. We just know that he got concerned that it was getting off the, right, the, train, the, the trail a little bit. And so he reached up and he steadied it with his own hand. And when we try to, we see God moving in our life. We're going after God with everything we've got. And then just a little, tiny little bit of ounce of control is still there. And I just want to steady it a little bit. I just want to steady. You know, God, I know I heard got a word over my kids. I know you're moving on them. I know you're drawing them to God. But I can see that they're about to end up in trouble. So I'm just going to go fi- I'm just going to go steady them just a little bit. So just you know so you have a little bit more to work with. God, I'm helping you out. Helping you out. Mm-mm. God, you know, I know that you're moving in my finances. I know I've been given, but I'm just going to go over here and invest this money in this one little thing over here because I'm just going to help you out. I'm just going to go over here and I'm going to go into debt and buy this thing because I think I can make some money off of it just to help you out. Just just help you because then you've got more to work with. It's control. And if I touch the glory of God with control... I, I don't get anything. All I get is judgment on my control. And so a lot of times we want to blame God because all I'm trying to do is get into your glory. All I'm trying to do is have you work in my life. All I'm trying to do is have you flow through me. All I'm trying to do is, is minister. All I'm trying to do is just live holy. All I'm trying to do is be set free, God. But every time the glory comes in and wants to do something, I just try, I just, I'm just going to steady it just a little bit because I'm just not quite willing to let go of that amount of control. These worship leaders, y'all, I, I mean, the, the amount of faith it takes to be up here. Anybody who's ever led worship, I know, says amen. The amount of faith it takes to be up here and to be totally out of control Because you're supposed to make pretty sounds. You're supposed to sing pretty. It's supposed to sound. You're supposed to be in harmony with the other ones. And then all of a sudden, the Holy Ghost is moving in, and you just want to sound like this. And you know, in that moment, we, they have the same choice that every single one of us have every time God's trying to move in our life. And that is, ooh, okay, all right, I feel it. I feel it coming up. But hang on just one second. I'm going to do it. But I'm going to sing it like this, hallelujah. Mm. And it was a little bit of obedience, but just a little bit. Because he said to say it like this. Hey, Aboshanda. Oh. And so the judgment comes. That, and here's the thing. It doesn't matter if you're 99% in line. It's the 1% of control. You don't get the blessing and you get judgment on your life because of control. And then we're like, God, don't work. No. God just said, stop controlling me so that I can do it. Hey. Oh, thank you. <laughs> 
they weren't prepared to carry the glory because they did not come into the glory the right way. When we come into the glory, part of that process is I'm not, it's me sitting right at this altar. Every day I come up here. All the prayer leaders, I think, can probably all say the same thing. I come right here and I sit and I just sing, Hallelujah, I love you, Lord. And I lift my voice to worship you, oh, my soul, rejoice, take joy, my King, <laughs> in what you hear, let it be sweet, sweet sound in your ear. And I sit here, maybe for 10 minutes, maybe for an hour, until God's, until the Holy Spirit, because sometimes if I come in with, I've been in a, you know, you come in, you come in mad sometimes, you've been in your mess that you've been in. And it takes a little bit longer to break past all that for something pure to come out for the Holy Spirit to connect with. But when he does, he can usher me on into the presence of God. And then I've lost control because I'm not in here doing my own thing, trying to pray my own prayers, trying to make my own thing happen. Because God doesn't have to bless that. The glory's not in that. But if I can come in the right way. So David inquired of the Lord. And in 1 Chronicles 15, he's figured it out. In verse 1, it says, And David made him houses in the city of David, and he prepared a place for the ark of God, and he pitched for it a tent. Then David said, None ought to carry the ark of God but the Levites, because they're the ones that God chose to carry the ark and to minister unto him forever. And David gathered all Israel together to Jerusalem and brought to bring up the ark of the Lord unto his place, which he had prepared for it. He is also kind of jealous of Obed-Edom. says that in Samuel, not in this Chronicles that we're reading, but he saw that Obed-Edom was blessed. Skip down to verse 12. It says, And he said unto them, You are the chief of the fathers of the Levites. So go sanctify yourselves, both ye and your brethren, that you may bring up the ark of the Lord God of Israel unto the place that I had prepared for it. For because you did not do that at first, the Lord our God made a breach upon us, for that we sought him not after the due order. Oh, we didn't seek him after the due order to know how to get, carry the glory of God. But if I seek him after the due order, I can carry the glory of God everywhere I want to go. I can, if I seek Him after the due order, there's not a day that goes by that the glory of God cannot permeate my life so much that I make devils uncomfortable when I walk into the Walmart. Hey, Yodobo Shandala Basate. Hallelujah. So the priests. And the Levites sanctified themselves to bring up the ark of the Lord God of Israel. And the children of the Levites bear the ark of God upon their shoulders with the staves thereon, as Moses had commanded, according to the word of the Lord. So how did they carry the glory? 
They did it according to the word of the Lord. What word of the Lord? It's the one that Moses went and sat in on his face in the very midst of the Shekinah glory of God that God spoke to him directly on how to carry the glory of God. How can I be worthy to carry his glory when I'm in the state that I'm in? It's because I seek God after the due order. I wait upon his voice. I wait upon the Lord. I wait in his presence for him to speak to me. I wait on the Holy Spirit to usher me into the throne room of God where I'm in his glory. And then he tells me how I can carry his glory everywhere. I don't ever have to go and witness to another person without every word out of my mouth being so anointed that they just want to weep at the presence of God that's around me. I don't ever have to do anything else in my own strength and in my own wisdom and in my own mind. I don't ever have to figure out how to have the present, you know, how to have God work in my life. I just do whatever the Holy Spirit says. We are transformed from one thing into something capable of carrying the glory. It's actually a spiritual transformation that happens as I come and sit in the presence of God. Now, here's the thing about the glory is if it wasn't okay, it would lift. The glory would lift. That's why I get all in my flesh at night and then I go to bed and I sleep in my flesh and I wake up the next morning and I'm in my flesh again. So what do I do? Paul said, I take up my cross daily. Daily. And I go sit in the presence of God again until I hear the Holy Spirit, until he connects with me and he ushers me back into the throne of God. Now, I know some people are saying, I don't have that kind of time. You said you wait for an hour, hours. It doesn't take hours. It takes longer in the beginning when you're learning how, not even learning how to come into the presence of God. When you're learning how to not be in control, that's when it, take, it takes you a little while. But the quicker you run after losing control, the quicker you will be, have an easy time coming into the presence of God. It normally doesn't take long to just come and sit in His presence and say, I'm not here for anything. I just want, what do you want to pray, Holy Spirit? What do you want to say? And I can let I can be I can just let the Holy Spirit usher me right into the throne room of God. Amen. There is nothing better than his glory. I think that's why we all come here. Because we know there's nothing better than his glory, but we can live in that glory. We don't just have to experience it on the sun on the Sundays. But if we don't change so that we are prepared, if we don't do the work to prepare ourselves, then we end up like Uzzah. And we end up like David, and we get irritated. David was irritated at God. Why? Because if y'all, if y'all, if y'all, if y'all don't see yourself in this the way I see myself, then I'm, maybe I'm worse of a sinner than y'all. Because God didn't do it. God, David had an idea, and God just didn't bless his idea because it was an idea for God. Ain't he supposed to bless it? And he didn't bless his idea, and so he was mad at him. I'm just going to stick the ark over here. Figure out what to do with it later. Call the whole nation of Israel together. Watch God kill somebody. Why'd you do that, God? You know, 
So we didn't do it the right way. We didn't get the Levites and the staves and everything. But we were bringing it to Jerusalem, and that's what you wanted. We had the whole nation there celebrating. We get strifey. Y'all know when God's working on you, because we were just talking about this before church, that when you go to the World Conference sometimes, and the anointing's so strong there, and you, things start coming up in you that you didn't even know was in there, and all of a sudden you just want to punch out the person that you're in the room with. You don't even know how you got that mad. want to punch them in the face so hard. Why you get that way? It's because, it's because when I come real close to the glory, but but I haven't prepared myself quite right, then the judge, because it, the judgment's going to come when I'm in the glory because God can't help but judge sin that comes into his presence. But if I'm prepared, my sin's covered. And he can, it's like, uh, it's like cooking with oil, you know. It makes it a little bit smoother, a little bit easier. Don't just burn it, leave you all undercooked inside. It makes it a little bit easier to deal with. And so he covers us in that. We, so we get strife, we get rebellious, all them things start coming out of us. Jeremiah 13, 26 actually says that he's going to pull our skirts up over our faces and, expo- and expose our shamefulness unless we cleanse ourselves. So that's the reason we get to feeling that way if we come too close, too close to the glory without preparing ourselves. All the ugly starts coming out of us because God's lifting our skirt up. So why do we do it? And I'm going to close. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 25 says, But if all prophesy and there come in one that doesn't believe, or one that's unlearned, he's talking about the gifts of the Spirit flowing and the glory and the presence of God, the manifested presence of God as His gifts are flowing through us. He is convinced of all, and He is judged of all the things in His life. If people come in who need to be set free, and the glory's not here, they're not convicted. They're not, the sin in them isn't judged they don't get to feeling so uncomfortable. Y'all ever been in a service? I remember when, when I really gave my life to God and, I, um, and God began to show me his destiny for my life. I was 16 years old. And I went to a church service in Bastrop, Louisiana. My uncle was preaching. And, um, and it was one of them altar calls where I, was gonna, I, was, I, was, I thought I was actually going to throw up because I was so uncomfortable with the pressure that God was putting on me. Because I did not come prepared to hear from God. I was, I came in with a bad attitude, actually, because I, you know, 16-year-olds half the time have bad attitude. Came in with a bad attitude. And I was not prepared for that level of pressure that God was putting on me that night. So, But if he comes in and he experiences the gifts and the glory of God, he's convinced of all. He sees that God is real and he's judged of all of his sin. Thus are the secrets of his heart made manifest. Even things he didn't even know were in there. He begins, all of that begins to come up out of us. And so falling down on his face, he will worship God and report 
that God is in you of a truth. Hey, hallelujah. So why do we do it? It's so that everyone who comes through those back doors back there and walks in and sits in a seat in this building, walks in and sits in a seat in Freedom 3 or in Freedom 2, it's that they can experience the glory of God to such a degree that I don't have to convince you. I don't have to use emotional manipulation to make you afraid of going to hell and come down and get saved. I don't have to do anything of my own self. If I can just get us into the glory of God, if I, we can just experience His glory to such a degree, then anybody with something in them is going to want to come because they're going to feel it. They're going to feel all the judgment coming against the sin that's in their life. They're going to want to come and fall down and worship God and say, God is real. We hope you enjoyed this message from Freedom Ministries. For more information and to stay connected with us, Find us on Facebook or the web at freedomministriescrossing.com.